0: Meeple Night, Episode 11, a podcast goes wild. Welcome to Meeple Night, a podcast about board games past, present, and future. In today's episode, we discuss our recent plays, review Cascadia from FlatOut Games, and finish off by discussing how we approach The Teach. That is, teaching a game to first-time players. I'm Andrew, and here are my co-hosts, Nicole, Veronica, and of course, Josh.
1: Hey everyone, this is Veronica, (laughs) and we also have my amazing partner, Josh.
2: (laughs) Evening everyone. Uh, Yay. Not not a sorry sap this time. Not a sorry sap, but we did forget (laughs) one person. Uh... Nicole. Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. We could <laughs> have cheddar
0: to She might have just forgot to show up. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs>
3: I was I was in there and introduced, so mm. i counted that.
1: All right. So what have you guys been up to? Um getting ready for our wedding. It is officially less than a month away and we are super mm-hmm. excited to tie the knot.
2: Yeah. And September was the month. Uh, the month of birthdays, so I had mine two weeks ago, and my father's was last week, so it's been fun dealing with us old men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the 30s. Yep. But, uh, we all feel old now.
2: Yep. And Veronica will actually talk about the <clears throat> birthday gift that she got me a little bit later.
1: I sure will. You'll have to wait Ooh. for the surprise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man what what do, well that sounds like you guys have had a good past couple of weeks we've basically just been surviving you know i feel like every time we talk it's just like we have sick kids it, it's true again but you know we have three uh, of them and statistically it's yeah it's
1: fall and if if it's not allergies it's a cold <laughs> and yeah um hopefully just not COVID. yeah, yeah. it's real
0: yeah, this it's still it wasn't COVID. We got tested again, and it's still not. Uh, I think it's RSV this time. Yeah, that's but, um, going around.
3: That seems to be what's going around. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, and then Ava got her vaccines, and Noelle got her one year old vaccines. So I think just all that on top of it, you know, all stacked up together. So, uh, but yeah, other otherwise, it's not been bad. Uh, I started working out with a group. I think I told you about that when we played. Uh, just you and I and that's I I'm uh leading my first workout on Monday morning so yeah we do like a rotating leadership so I'm excited nervous it's kind of I mean it's a similar format to the working out in the Navy but uh so it should be easy to get back into but the first time's always you know you get the jitters so yep, cool all righty so uh
3: should we talk about mm. what we've been playing? Yeah.
0: We should talk about what you've been playing though, because you guys have probably played more than us.
1: Uh,
2: it's <laughs> it just, just a little bit.
0: <gasps> <gasps> yeah. Well, if it's more than one.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so Josh Josh is always playing a bunch of games on his own. We played in the past couple weeks maybe like 5 unique games. Yeah. Um
2: I mean, I've played probably more games today than you guys have played in the past 2 weeks. But that's ooh,
0: probably well, true.
3: Well, you'll, I have you'll been find playing out. at lunch as you Scene. i wouldn't call
2: what you were playing playing matt schmidt destroyed oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> team schmidt well anyways we decided uh related to cascadia being an easy game to teach a little bit of a spoiler there that our theme for the games during our banter tonight we're going to be easy to learn games so the first one we're going to discuss is a game called juicy fruits designed by christian store and published by capstone games This game, you are running an island to collect fruit. You do so by sliding these pieces around the board orthogonally. They can slide until they run into something else, whether that's another piece of fruit or a boat. You'll collect that specific fruit based on how far you slide the tile. Use your fruit to fulfill contracts with those boats to allow the boat to leave, thus opening up the island for even more sliding. There's also vendors. If you invest fruit in them, you can set up their shops on your island. And this game reminds me of those little penny toys you get as a child, where you know where you slide the tiles around to create like a dog image, something like that. I like the design. Obviously, it was easy to teach, and it was fun to play. I'm not sure the replayability, but the design of this makes it so easy to return to after a hiatus. And I love the chunky fruit pieces.
1: Chunky fruit, always a good time. No, <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> but what did you think of it? Uh, when you played it?
1: Yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought it was definitely interesting um it was definitely easy to learn and um a few pieces were a little bit complicated like trying to figure out i I couldn't master it i think i i was demolished both times i mean i think you you beat me by like 50 (laughs) points and like it's it's not even a high scoring game
2: no i think you're thinking of something else
1: no i'm thinking of juicy fruits
2: Nah, you i won by two points the first game and then you won by like 12 the second game
1: i feel like that's inaccurate but um (laughs) (laughs) i um i'm having deja vu yeah i i i like to i think the first game i was trying to explore lots of different parts of the island um and trying to get points lots of different ways whereas in the second game i try to focus on one way um and i would focus on i think it was one of the ice cream trucks yeah. um so you I have think an that ice cream me... piece
2: that if you push the ice cream around the board you get to produce that amount of ice cream if you have the corresponding fruit like if you had orange lime lime you could turn that in for ice cream or i guess that would that wouldn't be ice cream that would be like proyo maybe Sherbert. or sherbet something like yeah. that but <laughs> they keep calling it ice yeah. cream but yeah she did that and she like generated a bunch of points which i just couldn't match
1: well and i think the game ended pretty quickly oh you know what i was thinking of a different game right. earlier i'll think of that one later but um yeah it was <laughs> i tried to like i almost ended it so i didn't give him the chance um to win but yeah. that was sportsmanship on my part i was just trying a strategy it wasn't intentional
2: yeah it's a neat little game and this designer christian shore was actually the guy who designed pictures which won the the, the kenner the, yes the, the
0: kenner spiel, or not the kenner regular. Last the regular spiel year, so in 2020 yeah
2: yep yeah and before we i, I learned about what games y'all played i just want to comment all those notes were on my ipad <laughs> i'm in the 21st century guys <laughs>
0: Yeah, which is why you didn't hear shuffling of papers, anybody. Uh, uh, uh. Whoa, bazing. <laughs> now I'm pretty sure those normally get edited out. <laughs> uh, well, if you think your game's easy to learn, boy, have we got you fooled because <laughs> we have been playing lots of kids games with the kids at home <laughs> by Peaceable Kingdoms. Uh, do you want to talk about them since you've been playing them most? So this is not complicated game. These are recommended for if there's any listeners who are parents, right? This is like teaching your toddlers to play games Wait, or like six and under. You bro. learn the rules?
1: Wait, oh, no. Nicole the taught them. Okay, there oh, we go. Okay. All right. I, I <laughs> have to get that jab Nicole in there. <laughs> yeah, Every okay, single episode, okay. there's
2: always a jab about you learning rules.
3: Uh, there's not even a rule book. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just the inside of the cover has some words, but-
1: <laughs> Oh Andrew, could we have, have a couple of
3: co-op
1: games.
0: <laughs> well, words? No, I do letters, shapes. So, <laughs> I, yeah, shapes, hieroglyphs,
1: phonemes, sounds. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go ahead. And so, go ahead. there's a couple of
3: co-op games that are just kind of spinoffs of the classic mass market kid games. Um, so, two of them that we have. In- been playing are called uh, Hoot Owl Hoot, which <laughs> we accidentally started calling Hoo Owl. But, anyways, this is basically like cooperative Candyland. You just turn over circles that are different colors and then move a bunch of owls in this swirly circle to get to their nest. Um, occasionally, you draw a sun that moves along a track and you want to get all your owls into their nest before the sun rises great. Uh, I just love one... that you're
0: reading the notes for this. That you, I'm not, I'm
3: so not like <laughs> it's such reading the notes. You
0: can't remember the That's not
3: what it says. <laughs> doesn't even say that in just the notes. Can't. I'm just staring and uh, space. There's nothing wrong with
1: having to read a script, by the way. <laughs> no. Some of us are not good at libers
3: Whatever, guys. The other ones, count your chickens. <laughs> it's just fun because there's a spinner. You spin it It tells you what animal to move to, and however many spaces you moved, you get to count that many chickens, (laughs) pick them up, and put them in their barn, and you have to get all the chickens in their barn before a fox takes them. I'm not going to lie. This is way more
1: entertaining than our games.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe next time you come, we can finish the night off with those games.
2: And I bet you I'm going to lose at those, too.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
0: well they're all co-op so oh, oh. it's all, it's just about teaching kids to play games so yeah like that count your chickens thing is like teaching landon how to count basically because i mean he can almost count to 20 now so it's uh one of those just helps your kids learn while having fun kind of thing but yeah we i wouldn't recommend them for you but for parents they're kind of a fun spin on the classics that Making it co-op makes it that you work together with the kids so you can do it a little bit younger kind of thing.
1: Nice. Cool. All right, so the next one that we um, played is not for toddlers. It is for kiddos or adults uh, 10 years and older. Um, So we played Emotep, which is designed by Phil Walker-Harding and published by Cosmos Games. So in this game, you are building, uh, you build civilizations by shipping stones to different parts of your land. These stones can go towards your pyramids, the temple, the burial chamber, or obelisks. Uh, there are different objectives for each building, which means there are different ways to score points, which I personally really like. It keeps everything balanced and fair. For example, you want lots of consecutively touching stones in the burial chamber, chamber but you will want the tallest tower for your obelisks. You can also trade stones at the market to gain access to different perks or score more points with added objectives. Um, so we played this one, and I actually taught it to Josh. Um, and why was that? It was his birthday present. This is, <laughs> this is, this was all he wanted for his birthday. It was for me to teach him a game. So I, <laughs> uh, this is one of the games that I learned, and I was able to teach him. And um, yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was really very interesting. It had lots of different components in lots of different ways. Like almost mul- multiple games yeah. in one.
0: Yeah. Did you say... Was e- it Emotep or Emotep Duel? Sorry. It I didn't was know. Emotep. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
3: And you guys haven't played Duel, have you? Yeah. No,
2: I own it. I okay. haven't played it. And that, that's kind of... I'm curious how the game changes with the Duel versus this one. Because yeah. this one was an interesting yeah. head-to-head... It was like a puzzly type game. And I knew yeah. if I did a certain thing, I could try to anticipate what she was going to do. Kind of goes back to the last time the four of us had a podcast with the trying to do those two, the best two player games. And it's different than how you and I are actually you two think compared to me. Yeah. I like the head to head yeah. nature. It's sort of like the chess. If you do this right. and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this and, and kind of plan ahead and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I
0: liked it with this game. Yeah. I-, I figured that that would be the case that, because we don't like it two player for the reason that you Josh just does. said you do like it yeah so. yeah
1: yeah i think it, it would be that would be a game that i would be interested in playing three or four players uh, i just think it'll be a yeah. little bit it would make it a little bit harder and i think more fun in a lot of ways um and it's it's not so i don't uh, know duely
2: yeah i disagree
1: oh, okay cool That's fine
2: but then again, I, I, I <laughs> we agree with you, Veronica. I know, but I, I grew up with the two-player type head-to-head.
3: Yeah. Is that temple scoring, um, split up? More people can take points, or just the most, like first place? Um, I can't remember. It's right. it's just the
2: most first place. That's it. Okay. Yep. And Never mind. Or like the obelisk, for instance, if you had the tallest obelisk, you got ten points, and, and if you were place. second place, you got one point. So that, that was a huge yeah. change. But then again, everything kind of evened out. Okay. There, there was four different things for you to put your stones in. And she won like two of them. I, won, I significantly won the other two. And our point differential, we came down to, I, 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 won, I won by one point. And the reason I won by one is she had a in-game scoring card that I didn't even notice she took. And it was something about how many mm-hmm. pieces, like how many columns were complete within the burial chamber and I didn't realize that and I actually aided in giving her more points at the end of the game like all this yeah. kind of cool cool stuff so that's why I like the head to head you really have to pay attention to each and every turn versus in a four player you can't physically remember all that you just got to wing it and say all right I'll hope for the best
0: mm. yeah. so
3: maybe your problem in four player games is that you're just not paying attention <laughs>
0: Uh he just doesn't have enough brain space, that's all. He's he's trying. He just can't.
1: He's not capable.
0: <laughs> mm. Not capable. He, you know? he is
1: holding back so hard, you guys.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. But if he gets to jab about my rules, then you know. It's all right. I get to jab about his multiplayer.
2: It is true. I'm I'm a much uh, better two player. Just look at our
0: scores from Red Cathedral. Yeah. Uh, speaking of games, that I don't know where that was going. I just like speaking to of games. Uh, speaking of games
3: in a podcast <laughs> about
1: games, uh, I'd like to talk about because we haven't been doing that
3: for the past twenty minutes.
0: Uh, you can you can start this one, since uh, which one? Never mind, On I'll start it because you right. actually did the last one. This is a mess. Uh, so so <laughs> we the one I held back last time we were. Uh, all together was Overboss, a boss monster adventure uh, designed by, I actually don't know. I think it's Aaron Mesburn and Kevin Russ mm-hmm. and published by Brotherwise Games. So this mechanically is very similar to the review copy game we're going to uh, talk about later today. Uh, but the theme is that you are boss monsters, I guess, from in a video game <laughs> like Nintendo era. And you're designing different levels, and you have to put monsters in the different levels and whoever designs the i don't know most thematic levels makes it the hardest for i I don't know the theme's not that great, it's just the art uh which I mean the art is good. I don't think the thematic tie-in's great for the mechanism um yeah, I mean, I guess I don't want to talk about my thoughts too much in detail before getting to review because i'll like compare it as we talk about cascadia uh because it uses like i said that same mechanism where you draft a tile and a token that go with it and then uh you have to put them they don't have to go together they can go separately but um this is a lot smaller scale than cascadia is because you only have 12 turns and cascadia is 20 um so i i don't know personally, I thought it was a little too quick, but
3: yeah, I mean, I guess without going too much into it and comparing to Cascadia, it felt a lot the same. We played them back to back, um, like Andrew said, this one's shorter, but I do like the art and like video game concept mm-hmm. of it all. um, I don't really like the constraint of staying within the three by four grid or four by four grid, whatever it was.
0: Um, it, it's both. We played on the smaller side, okay. Yeah, you can do both,
3: yeah. So we'll bring it up again later, I guess. Yeah,
0: we'll compare it throughout the review at a couple different points.
2: I think it's an interesting game. I played it solo. Now, the question I have for you guys is Have you ever played oh, yeah. Boss Monster? No, okay. So, Boss Monster, yes, I have. Boss Monster is a you are the like you said uh think about zelda you're ganondorf or and Uh and wolfenstein or whoever it is you're the bad guys and you're inviting link into your dungeon or whatever like that so in that game you're you're drawing cards and you're trying to make it as hard as possible for the the hero to get through and hopefully the hero will perish before he ever gets to the end of your dungeon and that's sort of like what you're doing here this one really does remind me of legend of zelda like the old 64 or not 64 the nintendo game like the nintendo game boy where yeah so like that one you were just kind of having these very pixelated open worlds that that this uh, hero would go through now in this game there's no hero but it's still you're adding that theme and, and whatnot i think it's cool i think it's neat it's a little bit different you have to interested in the theme and we'll get into that later as well but yeah. i think it's a fine game brotherwise did a fantastic production on it game trays y-
0: yeah yeah the production quality was really good and i actually i ended up trying out the solo campaign yeah which i think maybe my frustration with it was i played too much back to back to back mm. and so the variety wasn't quite as much as i thought it was going to be Hmm. um like i i did try every single different uh tile at least once wow uh so so i don't know i I, yeah i think it's a fine game it's not i don't want to i don't know
2: yeah i i think that's reasonable i am just i was very impressed with the production value with the game itself i think they under promised and over delivered with the product that they had Hmm. on the kickstarter so I, w- I think that was part of my enthusiasm uh, okay. for the game is that for it. I-, I felt I had a positive intuition or a positive part with this. So I don't know. I think that that did factor it into my my level of interest in the game, too.
0: Yeah, I'm biased.
2: yeah, that's fair. Well, speaking of a Kickstarter game. So the next one is, is the game Dice Miner, which is designed by Joshua mm-hmm. Debon and Nikola Ritesky and published by Atlas Games. Now, I've mentioned this game before, back in a previous podcast, of games that we were excited for. And I played it solo, and then I ended up playing it quite a few times with Veronica. And as a reminder, this is a game where you quote-unquote roll dice on this mountainside and draft them to create a dice pool. There's various ways to get points, but the coolest thing is you keep these dice in your pool between rounds and roll them. And then collect more dice in the next round. While very swingy, depending on how the dice are laid out on the mountain, it's still a fun game. I taught it to Veronica in less than five minutes as we were rushing out the door to make a reservation in time. And also, I'd advise anyone not to play against Veronica because, and I quote, she is a deadly assassin in this game. She's that good.
3: <laughs> Who is that a quote from?
1: Josh.
2: No, for me. The like, deadly assassin <laughs> no. herself? No. I yeah. want everyone to know, so if you ever see Veronica and use the words deadly assassin, you have to give me credit for coining that term to describe her in this game.
0: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> Claiming royalties. Trademark.
2: Yes. Trademark. Yeah, <laughs> this this
1: this was really fun, and I kept winning, so, I mean... You weren't just winning. I mean, I, I obliterated you. I, I mean, it was pretty bad. Assassinated. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh,
2: it was slaughter on one game.
1: It was, um... I mean, it was, it was really fun, though, and he kept... Oh, maybe at one point he did want to stop playing. But um, it was fun. It was extremely easy to learn once you understood what the dice were doing. Um, and I think it's an extremely easy game to bring out for anyone to, to learn. It's, again, very quick. And yeah. I am not a quick learner.
2: No, I said I literally taught her in five minutes before we left. We ended up playing it four times that day. And I had brought other, like, rolling rights because we went to a, a beer garden. For lunch, and because that was my birthday, your birthday, and sorry, we had brought a bunch of other like roll and rides and other games that we normally bring with us to a brewery. And she's like, "I want to keep playing this game," and I think that's a testament to this game quality. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean the art looks really cool on this one, and I I'd said when you talked about it for upcoming games that it looked like something. Oh, sorry, I'm too far away. Uh, it looked like it was something that was going to be fun to try but cool um well i I mean otherwise the the rest of our plays have just been replays of games that we played in the past um roll for the galaxy which is a favorite
3: although i will say roll for the galaxy is in our top because we have the nostalgia of playing with our parents Hmm. and i just want to say that we brought it out with them and they had like (laughs) No recollection of ever playing this game. <laughs> that kind of hurt deep down.
1: <laughs> oh. Ouch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, her mom was like, I don't think we've played this before. It's like, <laughs> like yes. Uh,
1: abso- we absolutely
0: uh, did. Yeah. 100%. I think your dad remembered playing it. He just didn't remember how to play it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We played Welcome to Halloween expansion again because, you know, it is a season be spooky we played rajas with you guys the dice charmers yes. Oh, yes that uh, was so, fun. You know, i was yeah i was uh yeah i was interested in what your thoughts were on uh, on air anyways
1: yeah um it was very interesting i did not do well at all but it was really interesting <laughs> seeing all of you guys just picking a strategy and you and nicole were totally kicking butt in this game um, whereas like I was just trying to be like, ooh, I forgot about the people, or ooh, I can do the I don't know, the 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 paths. Mm-hmm. Um, or ooh, I can do this building over here. And I kept trying I kept picking and choosing instead of like picking one strategy and you guys were yeah. just scoring so many points. I just didn't I couldn't keep up. I was like, how do I do this? Um I thought it was a really neat concept. Um I although I kind of felt a little bit uh betrayed by by the game because there were no points at the end like you don't you don't it's not Uh, like you're scoring this many points you don't score you don't you don't win by scoring a certain number of points you just you win by crisscrossing your paths um and in your different in your two different scoring columns or piles or whatever
0: um so it's somewhat anticlimactic kind of ending
2: yeah i thought it was interesting it it's definitely the iconography was terrible and as a result, I think, it like you guys had mentioned it, it'll take a couple of plays in order to get into it. Yeah. But it was enough that it piqued my interest that I went on one of my online retailers is Tabletop Merchant. Shout out to them. It's a fam- fantastic mm-hmm. family-run company. It sells games really cheap. I found it for $13. So not the $12 you quoted me at, you jerk. <laughs> but. I picked up a copy. I said, I said her dad.
0: Uh-huh. I didn't get it for $12. Wow. You
2: could splurge. $13. But still, fantastic company that I, I ordered it from. So I'm not sure when that's coming. Guess what, Andrew? I also got Fleet the Dice Game.
0: Oh, nice. It was yeah, I like that game. one a bit, a, a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: So uh, it, it was a good enough game that I'm interested in it. And it might actually be one of those. I'm, we're going to take some with the flight down to, on our honeymoon with us. So that might make the make the cut.
1: We'll, we'll see about that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Where are you guys
2: going?
3: Jamaica. Jamaica.
1: Pending everything Very is nice. okay with COVID, we're that's what we're planning for. We have a backup plan just in case nothing is going to ruin um, our celebration. Yep. So we're gonna be we're gonna be flexible and happy no matter what.
0: Hey, okay? Awesome.
1: But I mean, like Jamaica. We'd really like to go to Jamaica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's gonna be awesome. <laughs>
2: So, well, how about we go explore some tiles?
1: Let's explore some tiles into.
0: Today we review Cascadia designed by Randy Flynn and published by Flatout Games. In Cascadia, players must create a diverse and harmonious ecosystem featuring habitats and wildlife of the Pacific Northwest. Players take turns building their terrain from hexagonal tiles and populating it with wildlife tokens. Each habitat must be placed to reduce fragmentation and create wildlife corridors while each animal species also has its own spatial preference. At the end of the game, the winner is the player who achieved the most harmonious ecosystem. Is Cascadia an invasive species that should be ejected from the board gaming ecosystem? Or does it hold a special place in the balance and equilibrium of our hobby?
2: Like Andrew mentioned, your objective in Cascadia is to place identical habitat tiles together, and then place these cute little critters on top of them. Everyone will start with a three habitat tile. In the middle of the table are four habitat tiles, and right below them are four animal tokens. On your turn, you will take a pair of these habitat and animal pieces. You will then place them alongside your starting habitat tiles. As you're deciding where to place these, keep in mind the scoring objectives for each animal. For instance, bears want to be in pairs, with no other bears touching them. Or maybe the salmon want to form a contiguous line, and so forth. In addition to these scoring cards, you will also score points for your habitats, and additional points if you have the largest of that specific habitat say the largest mountain region. The end game is triggered when there are no more habitat tiles to place. A good score is hard to say given the variable scoring objectives of each game, but it looks like greater than 30 based on our number of plays. And also I do believe that's a Guinness World Record for the most time saying habitat tiles in a rules teach.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Habitat tiles, ecosystem, well, uh, so after Josh teaches the rules, we go ahead and start with the first impression and aesthetics.
3: So, uh, well, I'd seen this on something we watched Rado do. I think his thoughts on it or something, and I had heard good things. Um, so I had high hopes, and then uh, when I saw the box, it I thought the box is pretty. So uh, again, good things going for it, um, and then. Uh, I guess kind of... I know this is components, but when I saw all the components inside, um, I thought that it looked like it was probably going to be a pretty good game. I was a little bit apprehensive, I guess, because tiling is not always my favorite um, style game. But um, I guess I was excited to give it a try.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think I echo that. And I, I think the use of colors was nice like they were bright brightly colored and i thought it was just going to be cardboard shits and i think it was they were wooden tokens that might be because you had the kickstarter deluxe version but those were those were really nice
1: yeah so just to echo kind of everything that's been said it's really beautiful art and there's not too many pieces So I was more eager to play it because it didn't seem super complicated. Um, The animal tokens and the landscape tiles were also really nice. They had a good feel and weight to them. Um, They have a super soft finish to them also, which is apparently called a linen finish. It was pleasant (laughs) to play with, which is totally something Josh would say. It was so pleasant to play with. I really enjoyed this. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, the shade coming from all directions today.
2: (laughs) So the caveat is this is the Kickstarter version. And I think you're right, Andrew. Ours is the wooden pieces. I think the retail version is cardboard. But I could be mistaken with that. I'm not sure. But I do know that the Kickstarter version also came with a few additional scoring cards. But like you mentioned, Nicole, the box is inviting. The storage is fantastic for all those tiles, even though they're annoying. But it's nice that they're all stored well in there. It came with a nice canvas draw bag. Overall, really impressive components. I was hyped about the game, sort of like you, Nicole, with uh, with the with Rado's run through with, with it. Everyone was raving about Calico, and that they said this was the next Calico. Whether it was going to be similar, better, worse, it didn't matter. They said it was going to be in line with Calico, and everybody wouldn't shut up about Calico last year. So that was right <laughs> at the Kickstarter coming out. So that's when I knew I liked this. I thought the yeah. theme was a little more inviting just based on the first impressions. So I supported the Kickstarter, and when I look at the games now, it's one of those that when I'm supporting a Kickstarter, is it a game for me? Is it a game for my gaming group? Or is it a game for Veronica and I? And I supported this because I thought it was a game for us, for Veronica and me. And it it definitely was. So uh, the one thing I will add to Veronica's thing, you mentioned the art. The artist was Beth Sobel, and she does a fantastic job with a lot of her. It seems like her niche is this nature theme, but she's also just an incredible artist all in in
0: herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, sorry, just because you mentioned how the tiles were uh, annoying, uh, I, which I imagine you mean to like shuffle and set up. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I I think would have been nice is having a bag for that as well that you can just throw those in. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: but then again, you don't know. It's nice when you're sitting at the table because that's the timer for the end game. It's nice counting. Okay, yeah. so I've got two turns left. I've got one turn left. If it's or in a bag, like twenty you just, turns left. You just don't know. So I agree.
0: partially. Yeah. Well, you do. You just count the number of tokens that are on your. That's thing. a lot of counting. If you can count to twenty, which if you played Count Your Chickens, you can count to twenty. So. Ah,
2: uh, okay. It's more than yeah, twenty. Though. so you got to play it's Count times Your Chickens four, there, which is. <laughs> See, that that's too much counting for me in a four-player game, remember? I'm stupid when it, and it's a four-player game. No, just you just need
0: to count your own. Just doesn't, you just need to just count doesn't, your own, own tiles. It's too, it's too high. <laughs> it's, it doesn't I, pay I attention. Do yeah. Well, yeah. something that's... Not, no, I mean, maybe that's why they didn't do it.
2: Something that's not hard was the rules to this game. Very easy to learn. Yeah. And I think I taught Veronica similar to how Dice Miner was. I taught her in a few minutes, and it was actually she understood it well enough that she was able to teach it when we had some friends over a couple days after we played that game. So she taught the game shortly after playing it. So in medicine, you always have the see one, teach one, do one. And she was able to, to perform that. So to teach on her second play, which was fantastic. There's a tons of rules videos out there. But really, this is a pretty simple game, even just the rule book, which I think is how you guys learned it. Right
3: yeah and I think it had the nice um like little snippets with um nature facts and animal facts about the you know animals that are in the game and the um like geography or something
0: yep. all right uh, so next we'll talk about theme.
1: Um, Alright, so on theme and setting, I love animals and nature, so I love the overall theme of this. The objective cards also made sense with the animal characteristics, so for example, one bear objectives, or one of the bear objectives was a mama bear and two cubs, a little trio, um, which makes perfect sense. I will say that the landscape sometimes didn't match the animals that can be placed on them, like why there were fish in the prairies, but there was so much else going wait, wait, on. Wait, wait,
3: wait, we already went over that. The bear threw them. Yeah, the, <laughs> the bear, bear swatted <laughs> the salmon
2: <laughs> the out of the water and he landed on the prairie.
1: Yeah, Obviously. yeah. I mean, I mean it, it was far-fetched there. Um, but I will say there was so much else going on that it was easy to overlook for me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, Josh, what do you think of the theme?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's neat to have animals on the specific habitat tiles. The other ones to mention was the hawk doesn't want to be near other hawks typically, but the fox wants friends around him. So... It's just it's unique, even though each time the scoring objectives will differ slightly. It still maintains the core concept that bears want to be some type of pack with one another. The elk want to be in a specific shape.
0: Yeah. And it, it just it was really well done. Yeah, I think I think you you hit it that the, the objectives is the main thematic tie in here. Otherwise, it, it's fairly abstract as far as like which animals can go on which habitat. And I I guess that's probably I I didn't really look into it, but I imagine most of these animals maybe live in most of those habitats in the Cascadia region. But I I don't know that like that would be the thematic explanation uh, other than salmon who probably don't live on prairies. But they they might
2: in Seattle. They might.
0: (laughs) I just don't know. It's a whole different world out west.
2: A whole new world.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's actually to the east, though.
3: That's also <laughs> copyrighted, so we're going to have to think of a different phrase there.
0: It's a half-old earth. A brand-not-old earth. <laughs> half-old?
1: Oh, I can't even do the either. Anyway. Nicole?
0: Uh, for both of uh, us. Uh, all of us.
1: I pretty much agree
3: with most of that. The theme I thought was fine i mean the nature thing doesn't necessarily draw me or turn me away either way um after it was explained to me how salmon end up in the prairies i thought it was perfectly logical um (laughs) i mean the only thing that i can like nitpick is that nothing the tiles don't have to match you get more points but otherwise like you don't have to connect oceans you can just you know have an ocean with prairies around it and then more ocean but um yeah, I don't think it's really a big deal. River. I thought it was good. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's no, possible. no. I'm pretty
0: sure we all know that they're rivers, it's but it could be oceans. a
2: creek if it's only on one side. <laughs> rivers of
3: the run creek. to the ocean.
2: A river runs through it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably that's what Rado tried to say was that it was creeks in the prairie.
2: Yeah, like
0: that must be. What it is. I mean, it shows all the colors of the wind. <laughs> Oh, we're just going for all the different copyright infringements we can.
3: <laughs> I think it's okay to
2: say those words.
0: Yeah. Somewhere out there. Why not? I don't know. That's five I'll goes west.
2: Well, nobody watches that. It's not Disney. Gameplay. <laughs> so the mechanisms, which is something that's utilized in many games, is drafting. So in this one, you're going to draft to take a combined set of habitat and animal tokens. Or... Something I hadn't mentioned yet, but is a pine cone, which you could use, you could spend it to draft Tree it poop. In any habitat or animal. And
0: <laughs> oh, boy, I'm trying to derail you. Nope, I didn't.
2: <laughs> All right. So the pine cone is cool because you'll quickly learn that placing a specific animal on a tile that can only accept one specific animal, like a habitat tile that was 100% mountain. Has the hawk symbol on it, so when you place the hawk symbol in there, you get the you get the pine cone, and that pine cone can be a single point at the end of the game, or it can give you options while playing. And it's a nice, easy way of providing some mitigation in in the draft options if they're not perfect yeah. for you. Or in our game, you guys took all the darn pine cone options from me. I think I had a total of two of the entire game, and I got my butt kicked.
1: You sure did. That's
0: funny. I complained about the same thing, so I guess. Maybe the girls took all the pine cones. Tree poop, sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah, like this, I, this I game think... is a mix of kind of luck, but also it's kind of skill. Like, I mean, I feel like there's equal opportunity. It was very random. So.
0: I, I think the pine cones are the big difference maker between this and Overboss for me. Yeah. That That addition of mitigation, because now it's not just whatever randomly comes out and I'm stuck with it except for like in overboss you you could have special powers you could play with that worked one time throughout the game if you played with the boss characters.
2: Yeah. Uh
0: and portals. Yeah, you had your portals. Yeah, portals I guess let you move they let you move stuff around once it was on the board. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought the 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 tree tokens were like easier to come by than portals cuz the portals have to randomly come out. that's the only way to get them. And then when you get them, you are specifically not scoring. Like those those are what you're taking in place of a token rather than in this game you're taking. Maybe you might take a fox and like it would have been worth two points more to take a caribou and expand your caribou herd. But instead you took your the fox to get your keystone and get the the tree poop so that you could have mitigation (laughs) for later.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I I see a lot of potential with this game. You could really take your personal board in any direction you want. Um, And and it is kind of hard to mess up. And there's so many opportunities to make a points as you go. Um, So I don't know, I felt like even without the pine cones, like I was, I didn't feel like I was stuck. Yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity. to do. It wouldn't be as higher scoring, but like, it wasn't like I couldn't do anything. Um, And that's, that's what I really like about it. Like, you just... It's not like Which game. is
2: what you were referring to, Nicole. Boss Monster had a specific grid that you're building on. Calico is the same yeah. way. Actually, Calico, you're building out the end. This game, you're building in the out. So, as the game progresses, you have more and more possibilities. It might not be the best for scoring, but it it's not as limiting.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I do like that, and um, mm. I think that the overpopulating thing also helps. Like, you know, if you have three or four of the same animals out, you can wipe them and change your options up a little bit. Um,
2: You're you're, you're referring to extinction here, girl. Just wipe them out.
1: There's too many.
3: I'm just going to bypass that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What about flow of the game? The flow of this podcast is not quite there. (laughs) But let's talk about
3: the flow of this game. I thought the flow of the game was good, though. Uh, there didn't seem like a lot of downtime. Um, it's not very AP, so even with four players, it moves really quick. Um, I think this low point might have actually been how quickly we took tiles out of the bag and off the side of the table. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, good.
0: Looks like Josh might disagree with you. I mean, I, I agreed. I I thought that it was really quick. I I think there's potential that you could play it AP if you wanted, maybe. But I don't know. It, it to me, it just feels like a game that isn't super crunchy, so I didn't play it that way. But we're not. I don't know. I don't think any of us four are really that kind of player. So
2: yeah. So I think the turns were almost too quick because I had literally just placed my tile and my token, and yeah. I look up, and it's almost my turn again when when we played that four-player game. Yeah. It was just a little bit too quick for my liking. Now, I think... I
0: think he, it probably hurt that you were the tile person. Yeah. So you were actively doing stuff on everybody's turn and on top of having to think.
3: I kind of like that, though, because I feel like this is the kind of game that when three other people go after me, Most of the tiles that I was looking at are going to be gone anyways. So I can only plan so much on downtime. So if I place a tile, look back up, and it's my turn again. Perfectly happy.
2: Yeah, but I think there does, especially towards the end of the game, have some analysis paralysis moments. I definitely experienced it because, especially when I did just a quick little search, I realized how far behind I was to all three of y'all. And I was trying to maximize what minimal points that I could gather in those few turns left. So it was. Uh, so I do think, especially towards the end, analysis paralysis can creep into this game.
3: Ignorance is bliss. Just don't look at our boards.
1: <laughs> um, well,
2: I think that's fair. I've got to count the yeah, tiles. I- I think that's I've got to look at your board. I got to bring out other tiles. Right?
1: It's too much for Josh. Um, yeah. Overall, I'm. Gonna- that's why I lost. I guess. <laughs> um yeah so overall i'm gonna have to agree with nicole and andrew um I-, I thought they were good turn lengths um i did not think it was too quick um i thought it was a nice balance um although you know some of us it did take a little longer than was <clears throat> but um overall it did it did move quickly and not i don't know not so fast paced that it was, you know losing track of time or something
0: yeah and i i thought when it slowed down was okay anyways because was towards the end of the game so like everybody's kind of, at that point, trying to think about how am I going to score the most points? And it's two or three turns, right? It's not like the last half of the game was like that.
2: Yeah. So Which bleeds into length of the game. So I have a question for y'all. How long do you think our four-player game took to play?
0: 30 minutes. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was 35 minutes. Highly impressive for this type of game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I that is what I liked about this is that it was quick without feeling too quick. As I mentioned with at Overboss, uh, it's half the length, and uh, just to compare it now, it, it was that Overboss. I think took us fifteen minutes mm. when we played fifteen to twenty minutes, and it's just like, eh, I don't feel like I did anything at the end of of that. Like, I need. The game to be long enough to feel like i'm doing something and have time to accomplish some objective that i'm setting out to do so and, and that's what i liked about this is that it was long enough to meet that without being so long that I was like okay we've done the same thing now 30 turns in a row and like i can clearly see who's taking the lead it, it didn't to me seem like it was runaway length or anything like that
1: yeah i also have the same same feelings about that. I thought it was an appropriate length of game. I move quickly, not too quickly. Again, very repetitive, but um, good pace.
2: And something else I will add kind of as a new segment to this length of game part is setup time. Setup time with, with hmm. this was very short. Now, you, you talk about overbloss. Yeah. I think overboss takes about five minutes to set up, give or take. Five minutes, And it takes 15 minutes to play. You know, that's fine, but that's a third of your time just right. to set up the game. This literally took, we brought it over and we had it set up on your table in what, like a minute max? Yeah. Yeah. That's a testament to this game too.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. That might be what killed over boss is that I had to take all those tiles, separate all the tiles, find the new ones, put them in, and I'd be setting up 10 to 15 minutes between each different scenario that I played. Yeah. Whereas in this, it uses all the same tiles and all the same tokens, and the variability comes from the scoring cards. Um, yeah, I mean, which sorry, we'll we'll touch on that a little yeah, bit.
1: I mean, setting up a game is is no fun. But speaking of fun, fun. Oh,
0: I disagree.
2: <laughs> right, shut up, baggy man. Don't I was trying. I was
1: trying to transition. <laughs> well, I know. I'm, I know he's you complaining were complaining about it because
2: Overboss <laughs> has game trades. If they came with baggies, he would be salivating.
0: <laughs> it's funny. I did. I, I think I did mention that for Overboss.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it needs bags.
0: That yeah. That the game trades don't do anything for oh, that boy. specific oh, game. Yeah,
2: that's true. Go ahead. All right. So for Calico, I do believe it is a fun game. This is not Calico though. I, Cascadia, Cascadia, probably. Cascadia. Yeah. Now I'm screwing up myself, Darny. You got me thinking we can about talk Overboss, about Calico. Calico or you can talk about Verdant, which is also being published by Flatout Games, <laughs> currently on Kickstarter. If anybody out there wants to back it. All right, anyways, Cascadia. It's a fun game. <laughs> I think it has this gentle approach. Kind of cool with the theme. Nature usually has a gentle approach to it. And it's very welcoming. But if you want to achieve a very high score, you really have to think multiple turns in advance. There is something for this game for both beginners and seasoned hobbyists alike.
1: Yeah, those are more your overall thoughts, babe. But they're not I. We'll get to that. I think
2: in the fun factor, it can be fun for everyone.
1: It's so fun. This game is so fun. It's like Disney. Okay, yes. No, I I thought it was fun. It was engaging and it was surprisingly relaxing. Um, It was not stressful. If Someone took the tile token pair that you were hoping to get. Um, I don't know. For me, this is my kind of game. My kind of jam.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think it's that tile laying. Like For me, I don't know about uh if, if you like all tiling laying games but like i like tiling because it in, is invokes some sort of relaxing feeling for me as i'm like building it out or something i, d- I don't know why but it, it just is like this calming type of gameplay so it's
1: your nature well
3: i also thought it was fun uh, i don't have much to elaborate you guys said it all
2: So before we move on to replayability, I think this is a good segment to discuss the solo version. Now, I don't know, Andrew, if you played the solo, but okay. well, I'll I'll discuss it for everyone out there in case you're interested. So in this, you're essentially playing a two player game where the leftmost habitat and animal token gets discarded after your turn. So you plan ahead on your turns and you'll score better. It was, would you believe it? Easy to learn. I liked it. But given the accessibility for playing with Veronica, I personally couldn't see myself pulling this out to play solo because I'd rather just play with her. But the solo game is fine if you don't have a partner or anyone that is as enthused with this with this game.
0: Uh, so I think my thing about the, the solo play was... And I didn't play it this, but I read it and it seems like it's the same as Overboss style. And I just don't like the... Whole like draft one and discard the leftmost thing. I I get that that you need to do it somehow and like you. I don't know. I would rather have them draw a card or roll it roll a die and figure out which of the three gets discarded or something. To, rather than I know exactly which one is going to get discarded each time. But that's just my personal taste.
3: Overall thoughts and
2: score. Well, replayability. We
0: so. so- yeah, replayability. Sure,
2: sure. It
3: all yes, it all goes it is into replayable. The final thoughts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the replayability is good here because I think of the the different cards uh, mix and match, and I like that implementation a little bit better than the implementation that Overboss uses of just having different um, personal goals. Yeah, personal goals and different tile types that come out i I like this implementation better
2: and i'm going to take a different approach so instead of how much variation is in this game to have it new and fresh every time you pull it out i'm going to instead say how likely are we to pull this game out compared to our other simpler games which is what we normally play after a long weekday so i personally think it ranks up there for us near the top now, I did forget to mention earlier, there is a family variant that essentially eliminates the individual animal scoring objectives. So you score a certain number of points based on the largest grouping of animals, regardless of their species. So that kind of element reminded me of Isle of Cats. you got a family, you've got like a basic, and you've got an advanced mode of play. So I I do think this is highly replayable. All right. Well, how do we score things at, here at Meeple Night?
0: Here on Maple Night, we use a five-point categorization. Uh, starting with one, which is not fun. I would pass if asked to play. Two, game is okay, but not likely to hit the table. Three is a good game worth playing in the right situation. Four is a great game. Almost always willing to play. Need to have access to it. And five.
3: Amazing game. Among my favorites, must own it. Woohoo!
1: Got it this time. <laughs> so for yeah. me this one was a 4 great game, always, always, almost always willing to play um, I really love this game like Josh mentioned, it's easy to learn but more challenging to master we can bring it to game night, we can teach it to our parents or teach it to kids without really any issues but still access the more rigorous aspect of the game without affecting anybody else it's easy to pull out on those nights where we're tired but want to play something um, it's pretty engaging um, it's pretty and it has led to some fun times with good friends
0: Oh, all right. I'm going to start. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I think straight out of the gate, I'm going to agree with Veronica as well. This is a four for me. It's a great game and I'd always be willing to play it. I don't know that it's, I feel like I need to rush out and buy it. So that's the difference between a four and a five for me since I don't own it. I don't feel like I need to own it, Uh, but I would love to always, or I would always love to play this game and I had a lot of fun with it.
2: Likewise, I do enjoy this game. I think the accessibility is the driving force behind my opinion. And this game was easily added to our rotation of weekday games. I've spoken with a lot of non-board game hobbyists and a common theme with them that they enjoy is nature. So this is a game I'd recommend for those types of people, even ahead of, say, Wingspan, believe it or not. Maybe this game is slightly too light for us hobby gamers. But then again, I got my rear end handed when I played against y'all. So (laughs) I think there is enough... depth with this you you have to look for it but I think there's enough meat on the bone for us hobbyists as well so at the end of the day yeah. I think this is a game that fits with many different people even if it isn't meant for extremely like hardcore like Euro style gamers but this deserves a four yeah.
0: I, I feel like I was just called a not hobbyist gamer because <laughs> Josh was saying it, it's not for hobbyist gamers but he did get his butt handed to it by y'all <laughs> Which means Veronica, Nicole, and Andrew are not gamers because, you know, he lost I said that.
2: there is meat on the bone for <laughs> hobbyists as well. <laughs> Come on, man.
0: Doesn't matter. I'm using I'm I'm using lawyer logic, you know, the LSAT logical reasoning deducing that you think we're not gamers. Oh my god. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy processing all of that. <laughs> so, I don't know what score I want to give this. I had a good time. I liked it. Tiling still isn't my favorite thing. I don't think I want to own it. And I don't know that I would choose to play it at two player very often. So I'm kind of leaning towards a three. I think it's a good game and I would play it if anybody wanted to, except.
0: Except Andrew. Except
3: Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. But if you guys wanted to come play it, I would definitely play with you. Just not so Andrew. It'll
1: be-
0: <laughs> so, so what happened was Nicole lost when we uh, played two-player, so it's not good two-player. No, no, no. That
3: sounds similar that to someone else that I know
1: who's sitting right next to me.
0: What? I beat you chatter times in the two-player
2: version. No, 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 just in other oh. games. Oh, like yes. When he doesn't
1: win right away, he's like, oh, this wasn't such a good game. Let's, let's just play another game.
2: Well, regardless, Cascadia, you've earned an overall score from the four of us of a 15, but when you do all the mean it comes out to be a four.
0: Median, I guess. Well, mean, because
1: you median most, but not the mean. The mean would be
2: actually four point seven five. But we're rounding 3. it up Three point seven five decimals here at Maple Night. All right, fine. Anyways, Andrew <laughs> yeah. and Josh's yeah. <laughs> score for Cascadia is an eight. Also, Cal Ripkin's number.
1: Veronica and Nicole, give it a <laughs> seven.
0: And finally, we'll discuss the teach, how each of us go about teaching games to people who are playing for the first time.
2: So there are many different teaching styles, just like there are so many different learning styles. And we thought this would be a good topic for the four of us to discuss to account for those variable styles of how to teach and how to learn a game.
3: Okay, so I guess I'll start. Um, I watched a lot of Rado with andrew many years ago um so i try and figure out what he does so well and i probably cannot emulate that but i try to tell people the overall goal to start with so they kind of have an idea where i'm going with all the nuanced details once we get to those um if the theme is especially compelling or helps explain things and the mechanism makes sense with the theme, then I'll try and incorporate that more. Um, if it's an abstract that clearly doesn't work. Um, and then I guess just start kind of walking through basic turns. Um, if it's an easy enough game or short enough game um, something like Azul maybe where the turns aren't super long and complicated I'd just give a basic overview and then just start playing and we can just play around and I think it's a little bit easier to pick up by doing rather than just listening but yeah what do you guys think
2: yeah I I think you've laid out a lot of good points to the different things. You mentioned Rotto. Veronica had asked, who was that guy (laughs) from that YouTube channel Watch It Played?
1: Yeah, and that was Rodney Smith. Um, And, you know, we watch Rotto all the time and Rodney Smith, but I I specifically like Rodney Smith. I think he is very thorough yet succinct when explaining a game. Um, I'm not at all (laughs) comparing myself to him because he's a lot better than I am. And Canadian. And I'm not Canadian. <laughs> uh so Sorry. Um Oh yeah. wait, you're not I still, sorry. No. I strive to be a boot. A boot. Uh no. I Sorry. I just strive to be like him, just one thing at a time. I, I you know, I try to start with a the theme and overall objective of the game, laying out the game as, you know, as I'm explaining it. Um and then I lay out all the possible actions at one time. And then I start explaining each action. I like to use the actual pieces when I'm explaining these and after I've explained each piece, I actually score, you know, with the pieces that I've had. Um, so that's what I did with emotip, which I recently taught to Josh as his birthday present. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I try to make it connect back to the original theme so that, you know, it, it goes back. I like seeing it. I like doing it. Um, that's how I learn. I... I don't know. I like seeing how all the different parts. Yeah, interact.
0: I agree, especially with the last part you said about the theme. I always try to tie it back to the theme when I can, uh, e- even when it's not a very thematic game. I always like to say, like e- even with like a Zool, I like to say, you know, you're you're building a mosaic for the Portuguese king. So it, it doesn't really matter for me when I'm playing the game, but I never know when, when if for somebody else if they. might need that thematic tie-in or something or just just to make the logical leap make a little more sense for them i'm like why is it five on the bottom and one on the top what was rano's reason or your reason that you said something about paint takes more you need to use more paint on the bottom because people see it on the bottom and on the top they can't really see
2: Yeah. (laughs) yeah So giving an overview for the, of the theme yeah. really does set that mood. Like for Azul, when you lose a tile, when you lose a point, it's because the yeah. tile fell off and it shattered. So it costs you money, a.k.a. is going to lose you a point in that game. I, I do think that is helpful to say that. Just a little quick snippet. Even if that's something as simple as, like you said, you can make it up. You can go on board game. Geek. Mm-hmm. usually has a little blurb there. Anything to kind of create a little bit of theme, even if it's an abstract-based game.
1: Yep. And, and the why, yeah. you know, the why of why it is, you know, even when your kids, when your kids ask you, well, why do I have to do that? Well, because of this, you don't just say, oh, because right. I said so. It's like, oh, because these rules help you become a <laughs> yeah. fine young man or you know, yeah, whatever what was it is. The um, game
0: that we played recently uh, that, you, oh, Rajas of the Ganges that you are uh, dice charmers that you, she, uh, Nicole okay. didn't like the, that you could, once you drew through a road, you couldn't draw through another one. Because the 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 why was kind of just like because the rules say that, like there is no thematic reason why you can't build roads again, um, and so when it's just a rule because, then it's frustrating, because it doesn't, you, you know, it, it's harder to re- it's just something to remember. It's just another rule or code or something.
3: So I have a question for anybody: How do you guys handle when you're teaching? rules and people keep interrupting with questions
2: ah
1: so i am an interrupter a thousand yeah like a thousand a hundred percent it's only a hundred percent it's not a thousand thousand. but if it could be a thousand (laughs) it would be a thousand percent i like like he starts he barely starts talking and i'm like ooh, i have a question and it's very (laughs) annoying and i know that and i think at this point we've kind of like i kind of hold off and wait until he's at a good stopping point um and then i kind of like do my like (laughs) raise my hand like i have a question he's like you hold that question like but we don't even say anything we just like no um unless he keeps going and i'm like yeah but
2: i i do think that's hard because it's sort of like if you remember back from grade school if you thought of a question you kept rehearsing that question in your mind and you ignored yeah. anything else that entered your ear. You were not listening whatsoever. You were just rehearsing that question. So it's important to get that question answered sometimes. But then again, with someone like Veronica, every 10 seconds she's interrupting <laughs> me, I'm not teaching yeah. the game whatsoever. This is literally just, I'm a rule book and she's just posting questions at me. So I, I think sometimes that's difficult. And I think a way to fix people from over asking questions is actually yep. utilizing a player aid, whether the player aid came with the game or if you go on board game geek, you can usually print one off. There's a, a lot of fabulous people that have made ones for games out there and showing you a player aid and going through each turn or showing the different stuff. Usually people might develop questions, but then they're not rehearsing it because they see it on the player. aid. Oh, I had a question about this action placement or whatever it is, or this, what is this resource or what does this token do? You can hold on to it. You're not rehearsing it. You can still Yeah, listen.
3: I think that's good. I mean, I am definitely uh, guilty of both sides. I don't really like it when people interrupt, but as an interrupter, I understand. And from the asking question side, I think it's just hard because your mind is working through processing the rules in the game and something comes up. And they're not teaching it in the order that you want to hear it. And so you just need to know before you can move forward. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think ultimately it's, it's putting the trust in your playing your game partner. Um, so for me, I, Josh doesn't do it in the order that I would do it in. But at the same time, I think I've, I've learned at this point, like, okay, I just need to trust in his ability to answer my question by the end of his teach. And if he doesn't, that's Okay. Um, I will ask it at some point. It, it's gonna, it's just going to be fine. So I think also reminding me uh, in particular um, or, you know, somebody that's running a game, I know you're probably going to have questions. Just wait until the end, until I finish it, because I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Um, and then we can ask questions at the end. Yeah, that, that's how I like playing.
0: to do it. Basically, I like to. So, well, depends if it's just Nicole and I, she is a question asker. And I think I ask questions, too, when it's just the two of us, it's it's different we'll ask questions and it doesn't bother either of us too much if it does start to we do get uh frustrated visibly usually and we know to stop asking questions uh but you know we both like teaching so i think that's kind of why like it's just a fun exercise and so getting it interrupted screws up your exercise basically it'd be like if uh, uh, i don't know you're doing like bench presses and the bench press starts benching you back (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's different dynamic oh, with two of us. When we teach a game to a group, we usually take turns and the other person tries really hard not to interrupt because inevitably we would teach it in different order or yeah. something like that.
0: Yeah, that, that's actually my bigger pet peeve is when I'm teaching in a group and I get interrupted by one of the other people who knows how to play. That's my bigger pet peeve. And people asking me questions, Are because... 'Cause that person I can usually say, like, answer the question and then say, Um, I'll I'm I'll ask for questions at the end of each section or something so that we can just keep flowing. Okay. Um but when there's somebody else who knows how to play the game and they wanna teach it too, and I'm guilty of it. I it i like takes all the restraint in the world when you know how to play the game. You're like, I just wanna t- oh, but what about this thing? Um uh, and yeah that that can be really hard i think that's and and it's harder for me to tell somebody like oh hey back off this is my rules teach yeah it's harder to do (laughs) unless it's nicole yeah (laughs) and honestly
2: (laughs) and honestly a teach is a script just like rodney smith he scripts out each of those games that he teaches so it's how he goes through that is very systematic and that's how he does it. Now, how you and I, how yeah. whoever it might be, has a different way of teaching that game and it doesn't mean that that way is wrong. It's just right. it's just differently. So having somebody else interject because they, you oh, yeah. you haven't mentioned this yet. Yeah, but in my script, I'm yeah. going to get to that because I think that ties into right. this better with whatever it might be. And another way of doing the teach is how do you score points? How do you win? Sometimes people just want to know yeah. that early on. They want to get an overall theme and then they want to know, all yeah. right, how do I don't want to win? And then you base it off that. Okay, so you got to score points. Here's how you get points. This, 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 and this. And you kind of again, you just hit the highlights. And that's one of those, okay. So now they're tuning into, I really need to get gems like Splendor. I really need to get those things in order to get those upper echelon cards or whatever it might be. So sometimes having teaching the end game early gets people yeah. tied into that even more. So you got the theme on it and then you got this is how I'm going to win. I'm more yeah. invested in this rules. D- it teach. just
1: it just depends on your audience. And there's a certain group of people that you know that yeah. will want to hear how to score points. Um, and there are people that are going to know kind of from the beginning like the theme and then the objectives. And for sure. Kind of
0: the, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Approach. And I think like when we play with Nicole's family, they know for the most part that we are going to play this game once, maybe twice. And so there's no such thing as a learning game, you know, like they, So they want to ask all the questions they can uh, in that first game. No, because they you never know when you're playing a game and this is the only time we're going to play it. So you want to do the best you can. And then you get mad at Andrew because he forgot some rule. And, you know, it, it, then it's like <laughs> you lost because he forgot the rule that did happen one time. True story. Grand Austria Hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> never gonna let it down
2: oh boy so another option when you're teaching a game veronica alluded to it some earlier is providing examples when someone can see if i take this worker and place it on this spot it earns me these tokens or this action mm-hmm. or whatever it might be so going through the motion a little bit or going through the first couple yeah. of turns in the game so especially for your family if you're only gonna play it once maybe you go through the motions yeah. for like a, a turn or two so where everybody gets a it's kind of like yeah. a, a, a test game out of the way or a, a prequel or whatever you want to call it and then all of a sudden you're like all right let's reset real quick let's run let's yeah, run it we, for real did we do time. that
0: when they came last time i think we did that for roll for the galaxy that's i think that's the first time we tried that but yeah that was th- that ended up working i think because everybody feels a little more comfortable having played a turn um so like you might not yeah. know the scoring final objective situation but you at least are not being bogged down by how each mechanism works as you are playing the game.
1: So this is also just something I I literally just right now thought about is um For our wedding weekend, we're gonna have um, lots -hmm. of games available, and we're probably not gonna have every game that we own. (laughs) Um, That would mean that would be a lot of games, but I think we are gonna have a bunch of games available. And I think it might be a good idea to send out a couple of videos like, hey, these are the games we have, these are the different themes we have, um, in case you're interested in playing. And we're gonna be we're gonna be prepared to teach it. Um, But I think also in preparation for that, I think it might be a good idea to say, hey, I think these are games that we would all enjoy. Take a you know take a look at some of these and just watch a video or two, um, so that way you know we can play when you get here. Yeah. Um, And that's that's honestly how I learn a lot of the time is just watching those videos, and they're very informational and they go by very quickly.
2: Yeah, it's kind of know your audience
1: on that one. I mean, when we play
3: with. Like other gamers or have the barbecue and board game weekends, we typically have a game picked out ahead of time and everyone reads the rules. And I mean, those are the heavier kind of games, usually where the rule books are like 15 pages and Mm -hmm. the rules teach is going to take 40 minutes and nobody wants to sit around for that. So, I mean, if you have the kind of people who will do their homework ahead of time, that's great. I remember... When we had the game night that Josh came to uh, and he said that he watched Rado or whatever he did before the game, I was pretty impressed and thought it was kind of funny that he was preparing because I did not expect anyone to be doing that. But I mean, it's super helpful when people just come and know what they're doing. Mm-hmm.
2: And really, you can watch these types of videos online. YouTube, you can speed it up. You can get it up to two times speed. And it's not necessarily, I don't need you to learn every single rule. I just want you to hear the terms, maybe hear some of these phrases or see some of the stuff that you're doing. So that way, when you're actually getting that rules teach that uh, at the table itself, it's a, it's like a refresher more or less. And then it's also easier because when those questions do arise, like, wait, what was that turn? Or wait, can you review that again? It's more of, you're just kind of reviewing the topic and kind of answering those little minutiae details and not really doing a huge extensive overview rules teach cuz then that can be really boring and lose interest to your, your
0: Yeah, gamers. I mean I think that's a good point and that we we do that every time anyways even with board games and barbecue or like when you and I play a game Josh we'll always have a kind of quick overview to make sure everybody took away the same points of the video cuz yeah I mean you never know even reading the rule books we've come up with times where we have different interpretations or understandings of stuff so yeah
2: the rule book's not perfect. And sometimes you have to sit there still and be like, what makes <laughs> <sense for> aquatica? <laughs> <laughs> aquatica, paleo. Ugh.
0: Well, apparently only the trash makes sense for that, though. So,
2: or, or compost. Yes. Uh, we'll be nice. We'll compost since this is a major theme tonight. Any, any other discussion for
0: rules? How to teach? There was something I thought of, but I forgot. It's fine. I thought of it on the spot but it's all good
3: you didn't rehearse it in your head over and over
0: no nah, i just let it go <laughs> there's there's <laughs> not enough going on up uh-huh. here to for anything to solidify it just kind of bounces around like air molecules and <laughs> oh
2: sort of like my yeah, head yeah yeah we were yep. playing the four game of the yeah. four player game <laughs> of cascadia okay that makes sense i've been there done that well hopefully the listeners you've appreciated our little short, brief discussion here for how do we teach a game? And I think it does hold some value for how do you learn this game? And it doesn't matter what type of game within this hobby, whether it's a simple little roll and write, an abstract, or even some of the most complex games. These methods and examples that we provided, I think are very fruitful to learn how to play these games in our wonderful hobby.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening to us, everybody. If uh... You want to reach out to us and stay in touch? Uh, reach out to us on our Instagram or you can email us at MeepleNightPodcast at gmail.com
2: And thanks for tuning in. We will see everybody in a, a fortnight. fortnight. Thanks for
3: having us.
0: Good night. And good luck. Thanks for listening to Meeple Night. Today's episode was recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia on October 2nd, 2021 and uploaded using Anchor. Our theme music is all night by Declan DP provided by Audio Library Plus, which provides free and safe music for content creators. For all the latest from Meeple Night, follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group or email us at meeplenightpodcasts at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. So until then, dream a little dream of games. species (sighs)
1: Species. Yeah.
2: <sighs> for for copyright reasons, we cannot bring out the circle. I thought you were going
0: to bring out it like the circle light or something like that. Of it's Josh's birth. turn.
3: <laughs> I wasn't starting to teach. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha
1: A podcast mates. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't do that. A
2: podcast finds its mate?